Welcome to the podcast. I'm Ian. And I'm Tony, and this is Tennis Today. There are moments when he switched off and he switched off there. But then he produces a shot like that. Outrageous, even by his dad's. All right, Tony. Um, what an insane couple of days in Australian yeah. Open. Um, it's going to be really tough for us to pack everything into two hours or what well, two hours? Yeah, two hours <laughs> is right. It should be a two hour episode. We, we should yeah. probably dedicate two episodes to it. Um, but uh, yeah, lots of lots of pack in. We're going to try to squeeze it all into an hour here. Um, wanted to recap the results from round two, preview some of what's happening in round three and the matches that we're we're looking forward to. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, what a night, huh? Oh man, I uh I mean I I don't know where to start but basically just for me like I felt like I had already seen so much drama throughout the night, five setters, simultaneous five setters. I go to sleep at something like 2 in the morning. I wake up a few hours later and still feel like I missed everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I went to bed at um probably about 12:30 thinking that the 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 best matches had already happened that there's there's no way that the matches could have continued that level of you know, of energy and intensity and uh, I was wrong I mean I woke up in the middle of the night and I saw um, I saw the results of the Rabakana match and then fell back asleep woke up at 7 30 and Medvedev is still on and I'm you know that's usually Crazy. a bonus I'm not expecting to wake up at you know 7 7 30 in the morning and there's still be <laughs> matches happening in Australia but um, yeah I mean my TV was on from 4 p.m yesterday till almost 1 a.m. and then back on again at around 7 a.m. today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, probably. Uh, I mean, I've been seeing a lot of chatter. Definitely the best second round day maybe ever in a slam, maybe the best day in general in a slam that at least I can remember. I was getting a lot of texts, you know, to some newer tennis fans like that was the craziest day I've ever seen. And I was just kind of thinking about it for myself. I've been watching slams for, I don't know, close to 10, 15 years now. And, uh, Definitely one of the more memorable days that I can remember, especially for a first week. Yeah, I totally agree. A lot of the chatter online was was kind of saying the same thing that you just said there. Um, and it speaks a lot to what we brought up in the first episode when we're talking about the first round, um, just how you know the, the depth of players in both the ATP and the WTA now, these first round matches and second round matches that are, they're just they're going longer. The competitive level is just the compete level is just off the charts and yesterday was 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 amazing it was it was hard to to keep your eyes on just one match at a time i was doing the four screens on espn plus which usually i do just to kind of keep tabs on what matches are worth watching and when one's getting closer to a tie break then i'll tune into that one i couldn't do that here i had four matches going and i was actively standing up texting you watching as many of them as i could and switching the audio from one to the other it was wild. So there's a lot to get into today. Um, there was another day of round two matches just before that too. A um, little bit more lackluster. There's still some upsets. Um, so we'll spend a little bit of time on that before going into you know the headline stories of the matches from last night. Um, you know, I'm just kind of going through my notes here, and and I did want to bring up um, the passing of Mike Dixon. Um, 
you know, condolences to to any of the other uh, journalists and media members out there in the tennis community that uh, were connected to him. Um, he was in the industry for 38 years, passed away uh, covering the Australian Open um, just a little over 24 hours ago. Really, uh, really, really, really terrible to hear, but, um, you know, didn't really want to uh, go through the rest of this episode without, you know, paying my respects there to anybody uh, who, who knew him or, or uh, was a fan of his, so... Yeah, beloved in the community. I mean, I've only done two events as media, but I can tell you it's kind of the same crew that travels tournament to tournament. And it's sort of I could see the family dynamic between media members and even players. And you could just see all the tweets and posts. And um, yeah, condolences. Very, very sad. Yeah. Um. So diving into some of the last couple of days, uh, we did talk a little bit about, uh, you asked me at the last episode towards the end, if I had any favorite outfits. So I got a little bit more time to, to pay attention. I was hopping from match to match and I was trying to pay attention to what people were wearing and everything. Um, there isn't that much out there that I love, not enough to spend that much time on it or kind of analyze, you know, there's, there's yeah. just not that much, uh, not that many great fits out there. That's kind of been the story for years. Australian Open, the brands kind of tend to go for a more colorful, vibrant, summery thing. I'm seeing a lot of pink out there. People are calling it the, the Barbie effect. Um, a lot that's of true. <laughs> a lot of hot yeah. pink. Um, I mentioned Dimitrov's Lacoste kit. So Lacoste rolled out three different kits. Um, Daniil's kit is kind of always like a combination of green and white, and I like that. Yeah. Um, big fan of the dark green. He uh, He's rocking his... Uh, his uh, LT23 Lacoste shoes. I like the green and white. I like this combo with the socks. Um, yeah. The whole kit entirely not my style. I don't like the collar on that one, but Dimitrov. They're doing that again. They yeah, always do the weird. weird collars with his line. I Yeah, it's a little weird. Um, but Dimitrov's kit, I mentioned last episode, is pretty good. The the navy blue with the yellow trim and the cream color. Um, I like the way that one looked. And um, I don't know if you had any that you noticed that you were kind of a fan of backwards hat Grigor I know he used to always do the Nike you know the the Rafa headband but yeah he's going backwards white cap uh gotta love that um no going through the notes I mean just something that I that kind of stood out to me last night that usually is kind of whatever uh head sportswear Emil Rusevori's outfit not bad mm-hmm. Uh, you know, kind of muted orange tones, very simple, but uh, usually kind of don't pay attention to what Head is doing with their clothing, but uh, that one's not bad. Um, I like Mac- Max Purcell's kit too. Uh, also kind of simple. I-, I think, what is the brand? I'd never heard of it. It's some type of yeah, I fitness noticed that too workout last night. brand, LSKD. Yeah. Uh, when you go to their Instagram, it just looks like a bunch of gym apparel. Um, but yeah, and it's actually, it's a thing right now he posted a thing of like, Hey, you know, give this a bunch of likes and comments and they'll do a limited drop of this fit. Very simple, you know, fun shorts, wearing a a camp hat out there, uh, played great in it. Um, few of the things that I kind of liked also those ASICs look good too. That's a new model. The, um, solution Mm. speed three, I think, um, I love the, the previous version of that shoe and I'm looking forward to trying that version. Yeah. Yeah, they're not not a ton of amazing kits. I know I mentioned Wilson signed uh, Alicia Parks, and she looked really mm-hmm. good in that all white. It's kind of rare to see somebody wearing all white at Australian Open. We True. like I said, usually usually all colors, and the the whites are reserved for Wimbledon. But um, really, really liked that Osaka. I wish we could have got to see her more, but she was wearing that pearlescent Nike you know custom jacket. I mean, that was I love that with the nice. black outfit. Really, really cool. 
Um, but yeah, nothing else too noticeable. I mean, I love just, I'm happy to see all these smaller brands kind of getting involved in tennis and we'll, we'll probably have plenty of opportunity in the future to, to talk about, um, yep. tennis apparel and tennis brands and some of those sp- uh, sponsorships and partnerships, but good to see a lot of those smaller brands getting into the space. Um, you know, Arnaldi was wearing a throwback of Lecoq Sportif and didn't love the whole outfit, a little plain, but it was in a Royal purple, which was so cool. Just a color. Yeah. You don't really see that often so yeah that was good um uh new new line from yonix stan the man has his own sort of signature line which which is interesting because he's kind of obviously at the later stage of his career um i didn't i didn't like it to be honest it looked, <laughs> uh i mean we only got to see one match of it and it, it just looked very similar to what on did last year at the u.s open with the white and the sort of pink um but it'll be interesting to keep track of throughout the year and see what they what they come up with because obviously he's a very popular player and people are going to be tuned into what he's wearing. Yeah. Yeah. And and yeah, speaking of uh, apparel and and headwear and all that, I'm I'm not wearing a hat today. I'm, I'm leaving my, my head open for a sponsorship (laughs) deal. Anybody that wants some product (laughs) placement or something. Right on. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, a little, little wrap on the, uh, the fashion of, of AO, Um, you know, nothing too amazing there, hope to see a few more uh, outfits and stuff for the clay court season. But um, let's dive into what everybody really wants to talk about, which is the last two days of tennis and, and more notably the stuff from last night. I mean, it's hard to believe we're, we're recording this now. We started a little late today, um, but we're recording this now. And it's hard to believe that round three is in like three and a half hours, two and yeah. a half hours. Yeah. Crazy. I mean, I just, <laughs> just like, I'm still just coming down from last night. So yeah, even the, the round two matches, not the ones last night, but the ones before I was like, Oh, I, I forgot about that. That seems like four days ago. <laughs> I know. I know. It's, it's wild. Yeah. Especially with the time zone. It's, it's kind of tough. I mean, and you know, it's a good day. I, I was kind of going through our notes here. Um, I, I was watching so many matches last night and usually just getting a glimpse of Alcaraz, both as a spectator on site or, you know, watching from home, you're just always interested in what Alcaraz is doing and you want to watch his match because he's such an engaging player. And he played a really tight four set last night against Senego and it was a good match. Two of the sets went to tiebreak, I believe. And I don't even think that was a top five match of last night. So that's really (laughs) saying how crazy round two was. Truly. Yeah, truly. Uh, so yeah, let's that's... dive, let's start with, sorry, we you got no, anything go else on the Alcaraz match? No, no, no. It's just, you know, kind of like what you said, it, Alcaraz is almost, almost like watching Fed back in the day where it's like, even though the match might not be close, you still want to be tuned in because he's going to do something incredible in every set. He's going to do something crazy. And there, there was some highlight shots, but I, I agree just when it comes to sort of the pressure cooker that last night was, it, uh, it wasn't a top five match. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's wild. It's wild. Um, so yeah, let's, uh, I think the best thing to do here is probably start with the top half of the draw from round two. Um, mm-hmm. Some some notable uh, matches from that. I mean, there were rain delays both days. So the start times for um, both days ended up getting pushed back a little bit. It compounded a lot of the matches, but it also made it just like super high intensity and all these matches happening at the same time. Um the first one that I had on here that I got to watch some of was uh, Andreeva and Ans Jabur. Um, that was really the, the first big seed to fall. Um, Andreeva just mopped Jabur off the court, 6-0, 6-2. 
Uh, Anne's never, hour. yeah, unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, she's she's got it. She has you know a pretty scary future if she's staying on the traje- the trajectory that she's on. I think Anne's looked really uncomfortable that match. Um, Mira was just incredible. She was hitting it all over the place. She was keeping Anne's on the run and um, just she never got comfortable. Yeah, that was something. Uh, some of these early early matches I miss because I'm I'm on court teaching, but I I was that was something that was on my radar. It's like, oh, I'm sure I'll catch a third set if it gets there. And I was walking to my car in the parking lot. And I just saw the tweets of like matches over, and I was like, what happened? Mm-hmm. And just watching the highlights, it was uh, yeah, Mira's going to be scary. I think if she like you said, if she continues on this trajectory, and even going back to last year, she did this to other you know top fifty competitors and. Uh, I don't. I don't think this is her first top ten win. Maybe her first at a slam, but uh, just to do it in that you know such a convincing fashion is impressive. Yeah, I noted that Mira looked like she was in mid-season form. Um, yeah. I, I don't know how much match play Ons got before Australian Open, but she 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 didn't look like she was she was ready for the challenge, and um, obviously it came out in the result. So. Yeah. Uh, any ma- any matches that you got to catch? I know you were on court during the, the first start of uh, um, round two. Early matches, no, but uh, kind of going through our notes, the first one that we have listed here that I did kind of, I was tuned into was uh, Francis Tiafo, And uh, mm-hmm. I know that's kind of a, a surprising result. And, you know, some would think like, oh, he didn't, he didn't play well. Actually, he played decent. It's not like he threw away the match or anything. He, he competed well. He wasn't too down on himself. Like, kind of like what we saw previously at the slam against, uh, you know, this match that was super hyped up with Ben Shelton and it, he just didn't seem he had the energy. Um, but he just got beat. Machak, uh, how do you pronounce that? Yeah, it's it's Machak. Mm-hmm. Uh, unbelievable. Was doing these crazy, there, maybe one of the shots, well, there's been a few shots of the tournament, but there was a point in the third set tiebreak where he hit this crazy passing shot. He was going backwards with the forehand. It's like above 80 miles an hour. Um, yeah, he was just playing lights out and it just seemed like francis was always playing off the back foot and couldn't get anything going um so that was a pretty big upset at least from that round that i was kind of keyed in on also side note maybe the shortest shorts of the tournament i don't know <laughs> but that he's sponsored by uh homa and i was just looking at it and i was like man i, I want to see a side by side between him and holger because that's uh, yeah they're pretty hot yeah, yeah. What's uh, what's your short length usually? What do you go with for Oh, the man. It depends on the brand, but like seven. I think okay. that's because I don't have, I mean, I don't have the quads. Like if if I did, okay, <laughs> maybe. But like maybe a seven. I like when I went to uh, this on event in New York, I think they gave me a five. And it's just like, oh, they're nice, but I don't think I can wear these. <laughs> yeah, so you, you, you just, you, you just kind of, you have to cross the bridge. You just have to test it out for a day and you'll <laughs> never go back. Seven is a good, comfortable length. I'm like five inches or higher. I'm trying to, you know, if there's any hill I'm, I'm willing to die on when it comes to men's tennis apparel, it's uh, bringing back the short shorts from the golden era. Maybe, maybe not the 1.5 inch that you see, you know, in some of the old pictures. <laughs> yeah, post, the old but, shorts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm the higher the better for me. So um, <laughs> yeah, happy to see some guys out there rocking the short shorts. Uh, yeah. Ben Shelton actually, you know, he wears some shorter shorts, and I watched a video uh, from his Instagram last year. He was always picking on Eubanks because he's so tall and skinny, and all of the seven inch cuts on him look like five to four inches because he's so tall and skinny. So 
yeah, I guess you, yeah. you got to have the right the right figure for the short shorts, I guess. But um, yeah, I'm a big fan of it. So <laughs> um, another one that I wrote down from the top half of round two was Alicia Parks beating Fernandez. That was a pretty good match. I was yep. impressed with Alicia Parks. Um, it was straight sets. Uh, she came back from a uh, from a break in the in the first set actually, and uh, Layla looked surprisingly low energy. Is what I remember from that. She, um, it's just not the Layla that you're used to seeing. She's kind of so rock solid and always good at getting one more ball back and kind of playing a defensive mode. And um, she wasn't. Yeah, she just kind of wasn't all there. And uh, credit to Alicia Park. She's uh, one of the younger up and coming American players and she looked really good and, uh, and she looked really great in her Wilson dress too. So, yeah, that's going to be exciting next round match, which we'll get to later, but yeah. yeah. Um, a couple others from the first day of round two, uh, Timofeva beat Wozniacki in three sets, um, advancing to round three for the first time in a grand slam for her. Uh, one of the notes that I wrote down from that match is that she had 40 winners. I caught a little bit of that one. I was really surprised to see Timofeva come through. Wozniacki um, was, you know, she's always very calm and collected and that's kind of always been part of her game. And Timofeva being 20 years old and kind of new territory for her was the complete opposite. She was complaining. Her team was suggesting different things and she was complaining to her team. I didn't love her body language, but the shot hitting was incredible. She was hitting fantastic angles and moving Wozniacki around the court um, so yeah, that was, uh, that was a pretty good match. Um, but yeah, she ended up hitting 40 winners in that one and, and really took it to Wozniacki. And, uh, despite all of the, uh, frustration that she was showing very verbally, she came through in that one. So, yeah. And other things from the first round or from the, uh, top half of round two, there were some other higher seeds that fell. You saw Musetti go out, Sarundalo, Sakari, Carolyn Garcia, um, yeah. so that was the kind of the beginning of the dominoes here of all of the high seeds that ended up falling. Yeah. I, uh, I have a thing here where obviously this leads into, uh, you know, the next day of round two, but top eight, uh, women's seeds fall. You have, uh, well, yeah, you have a number three seed going down a number five seed, a six, a seven and an eight, uh, within the first two rounds, which is, um, kind of rough if you're you know if you're looking to kind of make the argument of like oh because a few years ago it was like oh well the women's draw is so unpredictable blah 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 Mm -hmm. um tough to see seeds go down like that yeah yeah i mean it's been so it 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 hasn't necessarily always been because these top seeded players aren't playing well that that might have been the case in a a couple of the matches but yeah um, i think you're just seeing some of these you know lower ranked players who are trying to make a name for themselves a lot of players that i gotta be honest with you I'm, i'm usually pretty good about knowing you know some of the people coming off the challenger tour uh people who qualified for the first time and uh i'm finding myself having to do a a lot of research on who these players are what are some of the notable results that they've had because i'm I'm hearing about a lot of these people for the first time and it's not necessarily because the seeds are playing bad you've got these players just playing up right depth teenagers all of a sudden Mm -hmm. these teenagers are you know main draw of grand slams winning rounds it's uh it's impressive yeah Well, that brings us to, you know, 
the the story of the the day really, which is everything that happened last night and yesterday. Um, matches ended up getting pushed back a little bit. They initially started matches at the arenas, uh, whichever ones they had a dome on, and there was a couple of matches that ended up having to pause a couple times. I mean, where do you start? We've got a whole bunch of matches written down. I just kept on adding notes as as the night was going on. I feel like you can kind of categorize some of the matches based on, um, you know, there were really notable results that happened, but maybe weren't the marquee matches of the night. And then you have, you know, some really, really iconic matches wrapping up the night. So, um, yeah, where do you want to start with yesterday? Um, probably a good place to start is the longest 10-point tiebreaker in in Grand Slam history. <laughs> yeah. That was, uh, yeah, I went back and I watched it today and just, you know, I mean, the way a tiebreaker goes, how pretty much every other point, once you get deep into it, is a is a match point. Um, just absolute pressure cooker. It was unbelievable. I can only imagine watching that live. That had to be unbelievable. You're in your the that's the blink of a Rabakana match that happened yes, you know, yes. after we went to bed. Um, yeah, I also watched that one this morning. I had to go back and watch it. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, that is Blinkova eliminating the three seed Rabakana um, in a final set tie break. And at Australian Open, it's decided by a 10 point tie break. And this went 22 to 20. And the whole set was 93 minutes. The tiebreaker was 32 minutes. And I joked earlier today on my Instagram that that's, that's longer than some matches that I've played. Same. <laughs> it's, it's yeah. you know, unbelievable. Um, and yeah. Uh, Blinkova ended up having 16 match points or needing 16 to get it done, saving six match points that Elena Rabakina had. Um, if there's any Man. point to watch from that, it was for me the 18-17 and I think tied at 20, uh, just the level of defense that Blinkova was playing and getting yeah. shots back that she had no no business getting to and Rabakina prop feeling like she should have won a couple of those points and probably secured the win. Um un- unbelievable. One of I mean contender for match of the year already for sure. Uh unbelievable stuff. Yeah, and, and just on top of you know, just being in that situation, all the pressure, Rabakina on court, just stoic, no emotion. Then it cuts to her sister who's freaking out. Um <laughs> so it was so good. Yeah. Um, that's a tough loss, of course. You know, number three seed go down, goes down. This kind of opens up that half of the draw, which is mm-hmm. going to be interesting. Um, but yeah, wow. We almost we almost lost a one seed and a three seed yesterday. Um, crazy stuff. Yeah. I don't know well, if, if you want to get into that. Let's go. Yeah. Let's, okay. let's hop over to Iga's match. Uh, yep. Yeah. Whatever you want to talk about as far as that one goes. Um, so <clears throat> I was getting, <clears throat> excuse me, I was getting off court, went to go have dinner. I just kind of checked to see what the scores are. And I was like, oh my God, I need to get home now. Because uh, Danielle Collins was, she had just won the set. They were going into a third. She was up an early break. I get home, I turn on the TV, and it's 4-1. And I was like, oh, wow, double double break. And just and that 40 love, I believe, in that game. Yes. Yep. So, um, and, you know, going into it, you know, we if you're kind of have followed Iga for the past couple of years, that's a matchup that 
can give her trouble. Just someone that just is super aggressive, mm-hmm. hits flat. She's going to have to make a ton of first serves because, you know, they're going to just going to attack the second serve. And if it works, it works. And it doesn't, it doesn't. We saw that against Ostapenko at the U.S. Open. Um, then Iga had a, you know, some type of a knee thing and seemingly just went away in the third set. And there was, it seemingly, that was the moment for it to happen again. Once she got down the double break, it was kind of like, oh man, is she, is she going to compete? What's going to happen? And, um, she hung around, right? She hung around. Collins kind of had a few hiccups and then all of a sudden it's, it's for all and it's anyone's match. That was, um, yeah, this, this was one of the matches where I was kind of like, oh wow, that's that's going to be the match of the day probably. <laughs> right. And that was the first of the next three or four that ended up being just as good. Um, mm-hmm. I thought the intensity of that match was palpable. I, you, the, the whole stadium was going crazy. Uh, two very different players and their demeanor on the court. Collins, um, I think wears her emotion on her sleeves a lot. And she was yelling to her box, telling them to stand up, stand up. And, <laughs> you know, and, and she was really trying to use that to fuel her to get through the match. And yeah, she, she was in control. She was doing really well. Um, I received a couple messages saying that that match is over and, and it didn't end up being <laughs> over. Ega brought it back, ended up winning five straight games. Uh, and yeah, Collins, her backhand was just on fire. She was eating up Iga's second serve, hitting a ton of winners. It really looked like all the momentum was in her favor. And in classic Iga fashion, one of the most mentally tough players on the tour, she just, she hung in there. She didn't really change too much about her strategy or what she was doing. She just hung in there. She let Collins make a couple of mistakes and um, yeah, came through in a really, really tough match. Like, like you said, she struggles with a lot of those really aggressive heavy hitters. Um, I think to, I think of Ostapenko, U.S. Open last year, somebody that she has an 0-4 uh, head-to-head record against. Yep. And um, yeah, I mean, her, her patience paid off. She she ended up coming through in that match, but it was very, very, very intense in that, in that arena last night. Yeah, I mean, as soon as she wins, she's basically towel over her head, crying. Post-match on-court interview, I, you know, I thought I was already on the plane. Um, very, mm-hmm. very crazy. And then on the other side, post-match interview, uh, Colin says, this is going to be my last, this is my last season on tour, which is kind of, you know, I don't know if that's just key to the moment saying that or something, because she's only 30 years old. Is 30, that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And obviously it can hang and play at, at an elite level, you know, maybe not week in, week out, but she's, you know, can compete with number one in the world. And we've seen her make deep runs into major tournaments. So uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. That's kind of a, kind of a bummer because it is, it's nice to see her compete and have that type of energy on the tour. Yeah. I was surprised to hear that too. Um, I mean, I've always enjoyed watching Collins play. She's, she's, she's pretty fiery on the court. Um, only 30 years old in her interview it sounded like she really has a lot of clarity over her decision though. And so good for her. Um, she seems really content with the way her career is gone. I mean, she made a, she was a career high seven in the world. She made uh, Australian open finals in 2022 and lost to Barty. Um, only two titles to her name, but uh, somebody who uh, had a pretty, pretty short career, but successful career. She was always dangerous. I mean, we, we talked about that, you know, before getting into episode one, just some of the, the stories going into the tournament and Collins is somebody that I've always really liked. And, um, so I don't know if it was heat of the moment. I mean, it sounded to me like she has a lot of clarity over her decision and has aspirations beyond tennis and she's yeah. only 30 years old. So she's trying to leave her options open. I think that's, uh, that's, that's great. But, um, 
you know, going back to, to Iga, uh, having come through that match, um, the patience that she had to get through there and, and, uh, fight back against a player, a type of style that she usually struggles with. Uh, she's going to need that in the future rounds. I don't know if you looked ahead to the draw, but she's playing uh, Naskova next round. Uh, oh, wow. Then she could potentially face Svitolina, and then she could potentially face Ostapenko. So three <laughs> players that yeah. could really give her some struggles. So Yeah, yeah, that's the type of result or, you know, turnaround where it's like, okay, you know, she wins a title. It's like, okay, it goes back to that match. Something clicked. She hung around and, um, yeah. Great result for Iga. Fun match to watch. Yeah. Any uh, any other ones from last night? Uh, so just kind of sequentially, just off the top of my head, I was I was tuned into Iga's match, and then I just popped on over to uh, Max Purcell, Casper Root, mm-hmm. and then you know I started you you texted me and you're like, "There's another fifth set tiebreaker happening right now." So that that like hour window was just elite basically it's nuts simultaneous uh, match tie breaks too you had that one going into a fifth set super tiebreaker and then you had klein and zverev going into a five set super tiebreaker yeah yeah and i mean it it seemed like so max purcell's a i would say more of a you know has found more success as a doubles player mm-hmm. so you could kind of see that just by the way the points were being played out he's just you know heavy forehand getting to net trying to finish mm-hmm. with you know little cat and mouse points and uh rude got ahead in the tie break and there was a moment where it seemed like okay you know max might be able to do something there's always something to be said about an australian playing at the ao the crowds always get super into it and they kind of ride that wave um you know Rude finishes it off in the end, uh, but it was a really, really, really fun match to watch, you know, side by side with uh, Zverev, who that was, I I would say that was a much tighter fifth set tiebreak because they kind of stayed, you know, four all five all six all and it was, it was tough. I I personally, I'd never seen Klein play before, but uh, man, I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of him if he plays like that. Yeah, he's somebody that I'm surprised hasn't produced uh, greater results. I, I I can't remember how how old he is, but he of all the players that put on amazing performances last night, the 18 year olds and 19 year olds. Yeah. I think he's a little bit older. He's been on the tour a little bit longer, but he was just going for it. I mean, he was hitting yeah. uh, very very aggressively. Uh, a lot of winners again. It, really, really sharp angles, keeping Zverev on the move. I actually think that Klein was the better player between the two of them, and. Um, Zverev hung hung in there on a couple points that he maybe had no business winning, and Klein was moving him all around the court. Um, in the tie break, he had a heartbreaker of a volley that would have put him. Yeah, yeah. The, I think that ended up going to Zverev match point, and that that was it. That was kind of the yeah. nail in the coffin. It felt like um, you know we didn't get a twenty two twenty tie break like <laughs> Rabakina did, um, but it was right there for him, and I think that point was to keep on serve, draw it uh, even, and then Zverev ended up winning that match. But really, really, really good one. I was super impressed with Klein. Um, that fourth set tie. Years old. 25, okay. So yeah, yeah. He's been on the tour yep. a little bit longer. I, I think he, I don't think this is his first Grand Slam main draw either, um, but this is the, fur, the furthest that I believe he's gone. Yes. So. Um, yeah, he was great. He was really impressive. The Going back to the Rude and Purcell match, I thought, uh, yeah, Purcell's game was giving Rude some problems, and he kind of had to uh, problem solve through that. Uh, Purcell was rushing the net a lot and playing a lot of volleys, and you know that's the doubles game that you mentioned. 
Um, but another one where patience paid off, Rude just kind of hung in there. It looked to me like in the tie break, Purcell might have been dealing with uh, a blister or something. Yes. He, kept, he kept on looking to his hand like something was going on and bothering him. You couldn't tell once the point started because he was just hitting so well. But, yeah. you know, maybe th- there might have been something there that kind of held him back from being at 100% during that tie break. So. Yeah, and I think that's a good kind of like what you said with Ego. That's a, a obviously Rude wants to win and he's looking to advance, but that's just a good result for Rude because I don't know why he gets he's got there's quite a bit of I don't want to say hate online of just oh he's soft, he's you know, he's not a top ten player, all of this when he made two slams, you know, what's he doing there? He got lucky. And, uh, you know, just to see sort of like some a little bit of grit from him to pull a match out like that, where he was definitely uncomfortable at certain moments. I think that's that's good to see. Obviously, I think last year he lost to Jensen Brooksby in the second round. Mm -hmm. So uh, that, you know, that helps with that. Um, Obviously, it's going to be tough to recover from a fifth set, like from a five setter like that but it it is good to see a little bit of grit from Kasparud who is you know just seemingly like just like a very nice guy and you don't he never seems to get too fired up about anything but uh good result yeah yeah for sure uh yeah I I love Casper I mean he seems like one of the nicest people on the planet (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, really gentle soul his interviews are are always very candid I, I like him so uh, good to see him come through there. Um, you know, tough one for Purcell and the Australian crowd that was there to see him. But uh, Purcell has every reason to feel like he can compete in the singles. I mean, pl- the way that he played, um, sure. and that was in a best of five. Maybe if it was in a best of three, he could really do some damage to some of the top tier players. So I think it's a confidence builder for him as well. For um, sure. And just a side, silly side note, uh, you know, last time, shout out, put you guys on to Ostapenko's uh baking instagram yeah. check out max purcell's instagram it's it's good he's one of the funnier one of the the better follows you could find from a player he's like does these daily posts of like going around on tour looking for coffee and uh <laughs> just un, unfiltered reviews like he's it, it's funny he's not like you know trying to put anyone out of business but it's it's good content so um yeah that's kind of how i found him in a way obviously i was aware of him as a doubles player but i was like oh you know this instagram is pretty good so anyway just a little side note there is this is this his personal instagram or he has mm-hmm. like a coffee review and oh okay okay no it's just straight up his personal <laughs> and every day he's drinking like piccolos and rating it, it's hilarious because he's like oh this one was amazing and it's like 7.25 and i'm just like dang like what yeah what's a 10 like <laughs> yeah right. i feel like i don't know anything about coffee that's funny that's yeah. awesome yeah i'll have to check that out yeah. Um, and also, I, I want to point out, uh, I, I want to give love to the 10-point tiebreak. Yes. I love it. Last night was an example of, there was some pushback about the changes to the fifth set and, and you know, wanting to play out some of these um, longer matches and, and needing to win by two games. Um, last night was an example of the 10-point tiebreak can be just as good, if not better. When you're playing to win by two um, in a normal format, um, exchanging your serves. Uh, typically, the advantage goes to the server, and you might end up with a match like John Isner and Mahout that goes to 70 68. Yeah. Um, last night was an example of it. To me, I like it a lot better than the seven point format because it just leaves so much more window for a player to come back from losing a point or two in a, in a seven point tiebreak. You go down a mini break that sometimes feels like that that could be it. That could be the only point that your opponent needs to to kind of ice it. And uh, I think the 10-point format is incredible. We saw that last night. And 
going back to back and exchanging serves and having the pressure on your serve to either hold or save a match point. Um, you're, you, you're not going to get that in any of the old formats. So I, I love the 10 point, uh, tie break format. I thought last night was a perfect example of how amazing and entertaining it really could be. Yeah, me too. And in it, in an extended tie break like that, it's almost, I mean, obviously you want to get a lead, but it's tough. Sometimes you get up four one. I think Blinkova was up four one in the, in the tie break. And it's like, okay, I'm ahead now. All I have to do is just kind of like protect this lead. And it almost, it's just so it's like, you know, baseball, you score, you put three runs up in the first inning and then the rest of the game, you feel like, okay, I'm just going to kind of like protect this. It's, um, it was good. And I, I think, this started at the AO in, uh, I'm not sure. I feel like they're, you know, another, you know, early, early adoption from the AO trying to try different things. And I know there was this weird period where the AO was doing the 10 point fifth set tiebreaker. Wimbledon was doing its own thing. French mm-hmm. Open was doing its own thing. Um, but I was kind of reading about it. Like, I think since 2022, they've all adopted it. So at least it's consistent. And uh, this is a great, a great example of, this is the way they're doing it. They're doing it the right way. It, it creates great content, great nights like last night. It's, yeah. um, I'm happy they did that. Yeah. I mean, Robachina's match, um, it, it felt like a tug of war. And because you had that uh, back and forth between each player having two serves, that's how you kind of got that tug of war. Yeah. Um, and I don't think you have that in, in, in some of the older formats and, um, yeah, just amazing stuff. I wanted to make sure to shout that out because I, I do love 10 point, t- 10 point tie break format. When I go out and play tennis, if I don't really feel like playing a full set and I kind of want the, I want to serve and I want to practice serving for the day. I actually love playing 10 point tie breaks just for fun and yeah. kind of call that a set. Right. And just kind of being like, okay, you got that one. Let's, let's do another one. So yeah, that's um, a good move. I like that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, another match from last night slash this morning is Medvedev's comeback from two sets down on, uh, Rusevori. Did wow. you get a chance to wake up and catch some of that? I was sound asleep, but I woke <laughs> up and saw, yeah, I was out. Um, but man, that was, uh, crazy. I mean, just little things. I mean, Medvedev had, I mean, he's always good for a moment like that. He had his moment, tosses <laughs> his racket over mm-hmm. to, you know, that could bench. have been yeah. bad, that, you know, because it kind of flung around. The bottles went everywhere. Yep. Later, he's, you know, just before the fifth set, he's asking the umpire to help him tie his shoes because he can't bend over. Um, <laughs> wild. Just a lot a yeah. lot going on there. Yeah. I So when I woke up, it was about 730 this morning, and I saw that that match was on. Um, I can't remember exactly what point I picked it up, um, but I was – keeping an eye on the match clock and I was trying to do the math on, well, when did this actually start? And it actually ended up starting very shortly after 11 PM last night. So all that talk that we had in episode one about the changes that Australian open is, <laughs> is making to, uh, or uh, maybe it was in the last episode, but the, the changes the Australian open has made to try to prevent stuff like that from happening. This match ends at three forty in the morning. It started after yeah. 11 o'clock at night. I understand there was, rain delays but um yeah not ideal i mean the stadium was almost empty yeah yeah that's uh i mean they tried right they tried to prevent it but yeah with the rain and just the other long matches i mean i i did see on some of the outside courts they just straight up postponed matches to put it off to the next day Mm -hmm. and i mean the the match that was on before medvedev was that 
epic fifth set super tie break, which yeah. in in theory could have ended close to an hour earlier, which is which is something that Medvedev spoke on to a slow start where he was just basically saying like, well, I didn't know if I was about to go out and then had to wait another 20 minutes. Do I eat? Do I sit down? Do I warm up? Like, um, tough. That's just kind of, I guess, the nature of, of tennis and, and the fifth set tie break, the, you know, the other side of that coin, basically. Yeah. Well, I'm happy to see Medvedev get through um, the last, uh, Rusevori played really well too. I mean, the, the, yeah. the bits that I watched, he was hitting really well. That fifth set, I think he just ran out of gas at that point. Um, six Oh for Medvedev. Uh, I felt like once it was going to a fifth set, you, you knew what the outcome was going to be. Um, one of Medvedev's strengths has always been his endurance and willingness to hang in long rallies or long matches. So, um, I think yeah. the writing was on the wall once it got to the fifth set. Um, and uh, yeah, Rusevori just seemed like he ran out of gas at that point. So, Oh, you know, I'm just saying Medvedev is uh, obviously he's a seated player, a top seated player, but he's somebody that there's no reason to doubt that he won't make a semi or anything of like that. So that would have been a huge upset because historically he does, obviously he hasn't won it, but he's made, I believe two finals, a semifinal. This is a usually a great tournament for him. So, um, yeah, that would have been, that would have been a scary uh, early round loss for him because he has a ton of points to defend this year, uh, mm-hmm. especially going into the next couple of months. So um, big win. Yeah, that's right. He had probably his best clay court season last year. Definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, speaking of top seeds, I feel like as far as the matches from last night go that were the story, the marquee matches, those were the big ones. Um, yeah. Those are the ones that everybody's talking about, the incredible matches. The that's not to say that none of these other matches that we talk about weren't also amazing for their own right. There are right. some other really, really great matches, other five setters that we wrote down and, and caught some of. Um, but uh, not the best match, but another top seed since we're talking about that was uh, my girl Jess Bagula, Buffalo native, you know, father is the Buffalo Bills owner and I'm from Buffalo, New York. So I'm always cheering for her. And she's somebody like a Medvedev that you can typically pen into fourth round quarterfinal, at least one of the most consistent players on the tour. And, um, she goes out there, loses in straight sets to the French player Burrell. Um, at one point she lost 10 straight points serving at two, one in the second set, uh, with a break. And then she, in that stretch, lost 15 of the next 17 points to go down 5-2 and ends up losing the the second set 6-2. She looked really, really defeated. She also, uh, ironically, was scheduled to play as the one seed with Coco Goff in doubles, uh, Burrell. (laughs) Uh, 30 minutes later, she was supposed to meet on another court and play against her in doubles again, which I'd never seen before. I don't know if that's ever happened where somebody wraps up one match in singles or doubles and has to play that same opponent 15 minutes later. Um, but she ends up pulling out. Um, so kind of leads me to believe that there's something else going on there. She looked kind of not there. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if there's something going on, if she's dealing with an injury or something off the court, but um, didn't didn't look great. Wasn't a very good match, and it's kind of tough to watch. Yeah, yeah, that's when I, because I remember you you sent me, you know, screenshots last night. You're like, hey, have you ever seen this before where, you know, you're going to play singles <laughs> and doubles? And I certainly haven't. Um, then, you know, obviously started watching the other matches. I wake up this morning and I look to see, oh, how, how they do in doubles. And I just didn't see them on the draw. So they pulled out, they got replaced by, I'm guessing like a lucky loser. And uh, yeah, tough, tough to see. But I, I agree. There's usually, there's 
probably something going on. Why would she pull out of doubles and just kind of, you know, she's usually very consistent. I would put her, you know, if there's tier one, there's one A, like she's usually there. Yeah. But, um, yeah, tough one. Yeah. Yeah, any uh, any other matches from last night? We've got five or six uh, of them written down. I mean, take your yeah, pick. Yeah, I and... know. I, I was tuned in. <laughs> Another player that I really kind of enjoy watching, uh, Cam Nori. Uh, I know he had kind of a, a down year last year. Uh, I just kind of love watching him play. You know, he just he's a player that just got is almost all grit. You know, his people have a lot to say about how he plays. It's boring. You know, oh my god, the backhand is so flat. The forehand is mm-hmm. so weird. But uh, it was it was cool to see him be able to pull out the five setter. I know they had to deal with a bunch of rain delays because it was on an outside court. Um, but that was something that I I was keeping track of. Uh, Good match. I, I wouldn't say he's a contender, but that's just something to note that he's he's still out there grinding, trying to make his way. Um, that was cool to see. Um, I know on your notes, uh, Alex Mick- Mickelson trains down here in Newport Beach, not at my club, at a neighboring club. I was going to say you're his coach, right? No. But cool to see. I mean, I think, uh, you know, there was some speculation of like, all right, was it just kind of a flash in the pan last year? Is he here to stay? I think with this result, he'll probably find himself in the top 50 uh, soon. So we'll get to see him at Masters 1000s, and that that will be very cool to watch. That was a big win over, uh, was it Lehechka? Yeah, Lehechka in, in four yeah. sets, and they big were win. one of the matches that got, um, they had to leave the court because of the rain delay and it took a really long time for them to get going. They were trying to make sure the courts were, were perfect and the sun was shining. The fans were in the stands. I was like, okay, when, when are we starting this again? Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so I mean, that's tough too. It's tough to be in the lead the way that he was and playing so well, have to take a break. You were probably thinking, you know, is this going to give some momentum to um, my opponent to reset, to game plan and strategize? Um, but he came back and yeah, he won. He's 19 years old and I um, always love to see people from SoCal represented in the, in the tournament. So, yeah. Um, another one that I wrote down was uh, Nagal and Shang. I mean, Nagal has been a fun story um, yes. representing India and Shang has been a fun story, 18 years old representing China and the atmosphere of that match, similar to a couple of the first round matches like the Kaboli uh, match that we talked about really, really fun atmosphere with their fan bases there. Um, Shang is a lot of fun to watch. I'm kind of excited yeah. to see how he does. I think he has Alcaraz next round, which he does. Yeah. So, I mean, nightmare scenario for him, but you're 18 <laughs> years old and you're going to have a platform and a stage here bigger than you've ever had in your career. So I got to imagine he's just excited and taking it in strides. Um, oh, and, sure. uh, Nag- Nagal's story is, is pretty fun too. Um, he's one of the players that has been very vocal about the lower ranked players and the financial struggles that they have with going from tournament to tournament and travel and had spoken about the fact that he had only 900 euros in his bank account at one point. So um, he's going to have a nice pocket, uh, a nice bag here coming into round two. Um, But uh, yeah, that was a, that was a fun one and fun atmosphere for that one. So yeah, he beat uh, Bublik in the first round, which is big. I'm not sure if Bublik was seated, but um, also just, Side note, one of uh, my colleagues at the club, fellow coach, uh, coach uh, Sunil, former number one of India, he knows Nagal. And, uh, you know, I was just kind of asking when the news came out about, you know, like this dude said he had 900 euros in his bank account. It's like, hey, you know what? Is that is that right? He's like, yeah, you know, it's it's true. And he, you know, actually, he would be a good guest at some point to have on my buddy Sunil just to he told me his story about how he was kind of 
discovered through this program of like, you know, Tennis India and how they trained him and brought him up. And uh, we'll, we'll have him on at some point. But anyway, it's cool, yeah. s- small personal connection because I, I remember telling my buddy, I said, hey, you know, Nagal, Nagal qualified. He's going to be in. I don't know who he's going to play in the first round. And then it's like he came up to me. He was so excited. He's like, he won. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that'll be that'll be fun to keep track of. Yeah, awesome. Uh, a couple five setters from yesterday too. We had uh, Her Cash who went five sets. Uh, he was oh down two, yeah. yep, two to one against Mensik, who who knocked out Chapo in the previous round. Um, mm-hmm. Didn't get a chance to watch that one. I've always been a fan of Her Cash. Um, I know some people find his game a little boring because he's just so heavy on the serve. And um, I'm, I think he's funny. I, I've seen him practice nice a couple guy. times, and he seems super cool. He always stops and takes pictures with all the young fans that are there, and. Um, I've seen him practicing with, I believe, Monfils, and they're just kind of goofing off and hitting, uh, you know, trick shots and everything. He, he seems like a really genuine guy, and uh, so it's somebody who I always like to root for, and uh, maybe maybe a little underrated. Even I think he's the nine seed here, and, and still yeah. just like nobody talks about him. He's one of the only players that uh, challenged Djokovic at Wimbledon. He almost won that match. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, happy to see him get through. And the other five setter last night was. Uh, another five set tie break, uh, was, uh, Kechmanovic and, uh, Struff. Um, yes. so I don't know, a couple, a couple other longer matches just to kind of compound all the, uh, the courts in the court time yeah. there. <laughs> Sad that they all played out on the same day. They kind of get overshadowed. Um, yeah. but yeah. yeah, just frame of reference for possibly the best second round day ever for in a sure. grand slam. For sure. God, I can only imagine if I was out there on the grounds, just losing yeah, what, my mind of like running which where do i go <laughs> yes well shout out to craig shapiro um yes. i was messaging him and he's on site in australian open and uh i saw a couple of his posts and him and i were talking and I, I, he seemed like where where do i go what court do you go to because yeah when you you know we've if you've gone to a tennis tournament before you know you're you kind of you're you're on your phone you're looking at the big boards you're trying to see who's where what do you watch and last night and yesterday was one of those days you're like man pick a court any court they were just incredible um yeah. a couple other upsets i don't know if you want to mention the last two that we had here uh well didn't watch the match but if you remember from episode one my dark horse was short-lived Davidovich Fokina <laughs> is out straight sets played a first uh, I watched a little bit of the first set the tie break and I was kind of like all right he looks decent and then I just flipped over to the other matches and just saw the result and I was like oh man that's uh that's a bummer yeah uh, Nuno Borges from uh Portugal uh first tour level tour level back-to-back right. wins for him and it's happening at a grand slam better time uh, what was better than that? So, um, good to see that. And then, yeah, the other one that we had here was, uh, Kazo, uh, upsetting Holger Runa, which I'm sure a lot of people probably had Runa quarterfinals, maybe. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You know what? That, that was at the bottom of our notes and that's actually a huge, <laughs> huge, that's a huge result. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, just kind of speaks to the volume of, of matches yesterday and, that's the quality of the matches that something like that just kind of becomes a, a footnote to everything else that happened. So, um, yeah, yeah anything think, else what did, what from did round two do at the AO last year? I'm just trying to think of how this would affect the ranking. I can't remember what his result was last year. Obviously he, you know, he made four towards the end of the year and now he's down to eight. And I mean, he's just a player that's super hungry, obviously, bunch of new additions to the team between Becker and, you know, Roger's former coach. So 
for sure a, a disappointing result. And I think, uh, I mean, this is going to be kind of dumb, but the after the first round match, he said, you know, there's no Netflix curse. And then boom, he loses <laughs> the next round. It's like, yeah. oh man, okay. <laughs> well, I, I got you here from last year. He mm-hmm. uh, loses in five sets in the fourth round to Rublev in a uh, fifth set oh, tiebreak. Oh, yeah. I forgot. it. That was a great match. Ooh, so he, I don't know if that's enough to put him out of the top 10. I guess it depends on what everyone else does in the tournament. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. We'll see. I forgot about that match. He could have won that. Yep. Um, anything else from round two of note that you wanted to talk about before we dive into previews for round three? No, I think, uh, wow. No, I think we had, uh, we pretty much covered everything. I'm, I'm sure there's some stuff that we missed, but, uh, Sorry. How, how could you Can't not? Cover I mean, how, yeah, yeah, I was going to say, how how could you not? I mean, there was just so much to talk about. You probably could have dedicated an entire episode to just Rabakina's match. I mean, it was, yep. um, or just the tie break for, for that matter. <laughs> yep. um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's everything that I had from round two. We uh, ended up pushing back recording uh, instead of recording yesterday to today. And thank goodness that we did because we just had all Seriously. of these matches to talk about. Um, but it kind of times it a little bit better for us where we can recap each round and then preview matches to come. So um, that brings us to round three. We got a couple matches that we wrote down here for uh, ones to watch. Um, you want to start with one that you're excited about? Um, well, uh, I actually I posted a reel about this yesterday. Uh, Tomas Echeverry, Novak Djokovic. Um, Novak's got a cold or something's going on. Uh, mm. Wrist seems good. His forehand was a little erratic through the first couple of matches. Uh, he's been on court for like seven plus hours. Tomas Echeverry is kind of, I don't want to say skated through because he's been playing great, but he, you know, took down Andy in straight sets, Gail Monfils in straight sets. Um, what my post was about, uh, my reel was basically Echeverry has done this thing that's kind of cool about, you know, because if, Novak's one of his idols and, you know, he's the standard bearer of like number one in the world. How many rankings points do I need to catch up to Novak? And Mm. he's done these posts throughout his career. And uh, yeah, he's 30 in the world right now. And he's going to get his chance to go head to head with Novak in the best of five sets. They played twice. Novak's beat him twice. But uh, anyways, just something that kind of interested me. I was kind of like, oh, you know, what? maybe I'll make a post about it. And yeah, uh, no, that yeah. I never heard that before. That is uh, until you posted about it, of course. But yeah, that's super interesting and kind of a fun dynamic. I think um, Djokovic, uh, for for all of his flaws and things that he's been criticized for, um, I, he, he seems to be somebody who really uh, takes some of the younger players under his wing and appreciates, you know, some of the respect that he receives or players that have kind of talked about him as his idol. So, uh, yeah. yeah, it'll be fun. And, and um, you know, I don't, uh, you know, I don't think there'll be any bad blood between them at all. I'm, I'm assuming it'll end up being a, a pretty good match. So maybe, um, yeah, uh, maybe Novak cool. in a, in a few fans, you see that's that right. where he's telling <laughs> to come right. say it to my face. That's like crazy. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then I think it was Nick Kyrgios uh, on, on the commentating saying that he would hop over the hop into the crowd and back him up or something. <laughs> that actually, that's something. Uh, what, have you gotten to listen to any of his commentary? Like what? Because uh, to be honest, so, for me, I, I hop around on ESPN Plus. I don't like. I don't have access to you know listening to his commentary. I've heard some feedback. Heard it's not bad actually. He seems to give 
pretty good insights. Um, the first time that I listened to him was uh, Sitsipas's first match, and he immediately noticed Sitsipas starts practice serving, and he immediately noticed the change in his form going from platform to pinpoint. And um, I I thought that was great. I mean, that just shows you like he, he notices those little details and I picked up little bits of highlights where he's talking really specifically about something that he's seeing in the match. And I think that that insight's really, really valuable, but I, I've been like you have been watching everything on ESPN plus because I can watch yeah. so many screens at once. So I haven't caught too much else. Um, so yeah, not enough yeah. to speak on how he is. So he, uh, he made a tweet yesterday where he said, uh, Pass is going to win the tournament. I, I like, saw Whoa, that. That's yeah. a hot take. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah he, what, he's what a strange bird. The the <laughs> issues that he's had with Djokovic then to become his biggest fan on the tour. And then he's had his issues with Sissipas, including, you know, he's covered in the Netflix uh, season one of Breakpoint, the match um, where Sissipas is trying to hit him with a tennis <laughs> ball. It was some of the, uh, one of the craziest tennis matches I've ever seen. But, um, and now he's, you know, singing his praise or whatever. Yeah, yeah, man. The duality of man. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> strange guy. Um, one of the matches I had written down, we mentioned earlier, was uh, Parks and Goff. Um, you know, two of the the young stars of American tennis there. Really excited to see that one. Um, they both know each other. I believe they both train together down in Florida. Uh, anybody who plays a lot of tennis knows that sometimes playing, you, you have those people that you play with all of the time and you know each other's games so well that it brings out the worst in you. So I wonder how that's going to play out um, at a professional yeah. level. I mean, they, they're going to know each other's game really well. Does that work in either one of their advantage? I'm not, I'm not sure, but um, you know, golf is just on a tear. I mean, undefeated this year so far, I believe. Yeah. I right? so. yeah. And, yeah. um, you know, if you want to go back into last year, just really on a hot streak and, uh, you know, I like golf to come through there, but a uh, cool moment for American tennis, just to have the two of them playing each other in round three. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, golf tinkering with her, with her serve, working with Andy Roddick in the off season. Kind of cool. Um, uh, I like, I mean, I already liked her serve, but it seems to be working. So yeah. it's great to see. Um, going on, uh, Andre Rublev, Sebastian Corda, that could be exciting. Yeah. I mean, I thought the last match Rublev and Eubanks was going to be something, but it was kind of just straightforward. So like previous episode, you said, don't know what you're going to get with Corda, but if he's on, it's going to be, it's going to be a great match. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and I love both of them, both their characters. So, um, yeah, I'll be sad for whoever loses and I'll be happy for yeah. whoever wins in, in both <laughs> scenarios. So. Uh, I'm gonna. I'll definitely be watching that one. Um, another one that I had written down was uh, Medvedev and Felix. Wow. Uh, how is Medvedev gonna recover from you know having a match that ended at almost 4 a.m. and you know having to get back to his hotel and uh, get up in the morning and practice today? Um, and Felix, who's goes through a lot of his own issues. I mean, he had a five setter versus team in the first round. Does that kind of make him? Um, a little bit more battle ready, or is he tired from that? Um, and it'll also just kind of be a, a good gauge for Felix to see where his game's at. Is this year going to uh, improve from last year? We talked in, uh, in the first episode about him. But yeah, I'm excited for that one just to see where Felix is at, but also from an endurance standpoint, how does Medvedev recover? Um, you know, does the, the hours on court for Felix come back to bite him in any way, you know, and see where he's at? So. Yeah, historically, really fun matches to watch too. I think they've played a few tight, you know, 
five setter at US Open comes to memory. I'm not sure if it was US Open, but anyways, it was, uh, yeah, that'll be a good one. Yeah, for sure. Any other ones uh, going into round three you're excited about? Um, players that aren't necessarily ranked very high, but uh, Paola Bedosa and Amanda Anisimova, two players who, I mean, there's AO is kind of the, you know, all right, a lot of players are coming back, two players that have kind of flown under the radar with their comebacks, but here they are in, in round three with high-quality wins leading into this matchup, um, and easily could be top 25 players if they kind of stay healthy and put it together. They both are just that quality, clean ball strikers. That should be a, a good match on an outside court. Yeah, for sure. Two really solid hard-court players. Um, definitely one I'm, I'm excited to watch as well, and um you know, I, I I like an underdog story and I like a comeback story. Uh, I always like a little bit more to root for. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to be watching that one as well. Um, I don't really have any other ones from round three. I mean, you know, each round that goes on here, they're going to kind of get theoretically increasingly better and better. But uh, after what yeah. we saw last night, I don't, I don't know how that's possible. <laughs> oh, Ben um, uh, Reno and uh, Ben Shelton. Shelton, yep. Yeah. 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 And Shelton's kind of uh, someone that just – like I was at my club yesterday, casual tennis 101 class, and I got a lot of questions about him. And I think probably because of the Netflix thing, but even even mm-hmm. last year, pre-Netflix, ton of questions about, hey, who who is he? I, I think it's just he interesting, his style, how he plays, just the, you know, the energy that he brings to the court. It'll be an interesting contrast to Manorino, who usually is just kind of, you know, stoic, looks like he's not even sweating, uh, lefty mm-hmm. against lefty matchup. That'll be... Uh, That'll be good. Yeah. Well, I know my dad's listening and he's, he's probably, you know, saying, yeah, lefties, you know, he's a lefty himself. And <laughs> oh, nice. uh, I, I've, something I've noticed is, I don't know if you've noticed this too, but other lefties notice that on when they're watching tennis and like, I don't even pick that up, but my dad <laughs> has said that to me that, you know, he's a lefty and he, he it's the first thing he sees when he sees somebody playing and they're a lefty because there's, you know, so few of them yeah. or whatever. Um, yeah. I, I never noticed though. So good, good for you. For noticing that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I hope we did round two justice. I think it's really hard to capture that moment. Um, some of it, you just really have to go back and watch and we could do our best to, to kind of go over the details of it. But, um, you know, a lot of those things are up on YouTube. That's where we watch the tie break from Rabakana. Uh, anybody who missed it because of the, uh, you know, difficulty with the hours that it was on, go back and watch it. Um, hopefully we did justice to kind of explaining how those matches played out, but just what, what a day in tennis. I I think I said the same thing like three or four times on Instagram yesterday. Like I just couldn't believe how good of a day it was and just kept going and going. So, um, yeah, a true display of, uh, you know, grand slam tennis. Yeah. Yeah. Also shout out to, um, uh, this is becoming an AO love fest, honestly, for me. But like, uh, shout out to the AO YouTube page for extended match highlights because not yeah. not every slam will do that. I think it was the French Open, which will give you like three minutes of just clips, and it's just kind of like not good. But at least, yeah, if you're interested in catching up on a match, AO's doing it right on their YouTube channel. Yeah, well, uh, and I couldn't even imagine. Shout out to all of the social media teams that had to stay up and keep <laughs> posting. I mean, uh, you and I are doing it to an extent too like we're, we're posting in our stories stuff that's happening and talking to people but um you know they're doing it as their job and yeah, yeah. I mean, what a long 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 day for them um so yeah, yeah it was fun
Yeah, we, we went from, uh, I mean, there's plenty to talk about. <laughs> Certainly. There's so much happening in the tour. This is uh, our longest episode, but we're you know not recording it at night for the first time, which is great. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, there's just so much happening on and off the court. Um, really excited for round three starting here in just an hour and a half. Um, oh I know you've, uh, I know, I know. And you're, you're, uh, you're going to hit on the court in a little bit, aren't you? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually, so I'm doing a thing where, and I'm happy to make my reports here of, uh, cause throughout the season, especially last year, a lot of attention was brought to players injuries. Why are we changing balls every week? All of this stuff. Um, so I'm going to try, obviously I'm not going to be going crazy with it. Cause I did have wrist surgery last February. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, I'm going to try to play with the ball that the tour is using for that week and just kind of making notes of the differences, how I feel. I mean, obviously the amount of balls that I hit, it's not the same. And the, the amount of RPMs on my shots is not the same as the players, but I have like a few regular hits, like kind of training sessions for myself. And uh, yeah, I'm about to go on court and do that. So I'm kind of excited to see how this ball plays. I did a uh, sort of a trial run and a lesson the other day. I had a high school student who was like, hey, let's just get some sets in. I need to prepare for my season. And uh, I mean, you know, not the highest measure of my tennis, but I I did really enjoy the ball. Uh, Have you used that ball yet? Uh, No, the Dunlop one? No. What do you normally play with? Um, I really like the Wilson U.S. Open balls, um, yep. the extra duty ones. Really like yep. those. Uh, for cheap, you know, cost effective, I buy pens, but I yep. have not loved them lately. I've had, I've had a couple boxes that I thought the quality was really poor, and some that would fluff up. Some where the rubber had like notches on the seams and stuff. So I'm kind Dude. of I'm kind of yes. off the pens. I'm like, okay, these are terrible now. Ah, <laughs> uh, so. Yeah, I I agree. My kind of go-to, I guess, standard is Wilson US Open. Just it's kind of what I've kind of always used. Um, but my club is associated with with head pens. So as as a pro there, I get a case a month to teach with to do basically whatever I want with. So that's I guess the ball that I'm hitting most normally. And uh, yeah, that's that's kind of weird. There's like that weird ridge on the seam yep. Yep. where sometimes it'll just bounce, and I I. I don't know what that is. Um, I've seen anyways, that. I, and, yeah. and like the physical, I I have, I feel like with the pen, they usually, the felt gets matted down, but lately they've been fluffing up instead. A lot. And you've got the notches on the rubber. And I've even seen a few where, not that this affects the ball play, but I've seen a few where the uh, actual pen stamp is like, off-centered and like almost <laughs> and I'm so I, so I don't know what's going on I, I yeah. feel like maybe I just got a bad box or something but uh, I've been hearing from other people including yourself that the pen balls yep. have kind of uh not passing quality control with the best quality yeah I that's my most regular ball and uh yeah so I'm I'm excited for the AO ball and for this series hopefully nothing you know crazy happens but yeah on my you know I'm obviously not going to be feeding balls with the the AO ball and be giving yeah. them a review I'm going to do a proper hit but um nice. yeah also using the new blade which is interesting uh so we're going to be testing things on court in the next uh what 30 minutes so nice, nice. I'll be sure to give you uh give you guys a report here soon Awesome Um well, that's all I got for today anything else from you Tony Man, uh, no, I think that's it. How how are you feeling? How are you holding up? On my side, I feel like I just have been traveling. I know I'm not going anywhere, but you know when you're traveling, you're just kind of tired and sore and like kind of have a headache. Like I, uh, 
I don't know. I'm going to need to like find a way to get some naps in or something like that because, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. These past nights have been tough. Yeah. Um, we got a lot more tennis to go, so I feel like I'll, uh, <laughs> I- I'm, I'm good now. We'll see how I feel next week. I, I'm, yeah. I'm liking these episodes every other day. It's really working yeah, for me, but, um, yeah, towards the end of the Australian Open, I think we'll have a, a much needed break uh, from, from recording and, and staying up. Just regular up sleep hours. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, all right, well, cool. Yeah, I mean, that's everything that we had for today. Uh, we'll record again in a couple of days after round three wraps up and talk about round four matches. Um, once again, you know, thanks to all the listeners. We've been getting a lot of feedback from people, and that's awesome. We love to hear it. Keep reaching out to us. If there's anything you want us to cover on the podcast, happy to um, happy to, to answer those questions or dive into it on here. Um, and if you like the format and you like what we've been doing, um, leave us a review, uh, five-star only, please. And um, yeah, that's all I got. Yeah, uh, just shout out to Ian for putting all this together, basically. I mean, it's... Uh this is something that kind of came to fruition within the last two weeks and uh, Ian's all over it grinding. (laughs) Like every day we have the notes, we have this great discussion every, you know, even when we're not live on the air, we're always going back and forth. So uh, definitely the driving force behind the podcast. And I've gotten a lot of positive feedback too. So uh, thank you guys. Um, Stay tuned. We're going to have quite a bit of stuff in, uh, in store for you soon. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Tony, thank you. And thank you everybody for listening. All right. See you guys. This is what these two do, just put smiles on people's faces.